It's the first day of the Trump presidency. There's only one thing to say. Here now is our captain of patriotism, Mr. Ben Armstrong. Oh, yes. Thank you for the wonderful introduction by Brian Bolesky. It's celebration time. Oh, we're having a blast. Can you believe it's happened? We've been saying, when will it get here? How long will it take? It's taking forever. But then, yesterday, I saw a helicopter flying away with some guy in it now saying, bye-bye. Bye to that helicopter. Those three wonderful words, former President Obama. <laughs> oh, we're just way too excited about it. And then to see Donald Trump as the president. You know, it really locked in for me when after the speech, which we're going to break down the speech today. That's what we're going to do. We're going to break down Donald Trump's inauguration speech. But After the speech, it hit me when I saw this. Donald Trump leaves first. He's heading through the tunnel of the Capitol building. And you see the really cool, slow salute by the Marines. And when he was saluted, boom, it hit me. Oh, man, he's commander in chief. And the best part is, is then later on, I watched Hillary walk through that same tunnel. No salutes. And I thought, thank goodness. Could you imagine the reverse? They're saluting Donald Trump. They are not even acknowledging Hillary Clinton's existence. <laughs> and I, I loved it. I was like, yes, we did it. If it was the other way around, oh, no. I don't even want to go there. And we won't because we need to be in a good celebration type of mood. And we, we are. And we're going to break down the speech. We're going to do a whole bunch of other things. But will we get to phone calls today? A lot of people are going to wonder. Possibly. I can't guarantee it. But I will say there is a chance. And since there is a chance that I'll go to the phone lines, you might want to actually call in. I can't guarantee it, though. So it's your own risk because there's no guarantee we're going to the phone lines. We might go to the phone lines. There is a more than 50% chance that I'll go to the phone lines. That's the way I'll put it. More than a 50%, but not a guarantee. All right. Let's start with Franklin Graham. Even though Franklin Graham spoke after Donald Trump's speech, I'm going to reverse it here. I want you to hear Franklin Graham first, and then we'll break down some of Trump's speech. Franklin got up and, well... You know what? I'm not even going to explain it. I want you to hear this for yourself because I loved it when I heard it. This is cut three, Franklin Graham. Go ahead and play that, Brian. Mr. President, in the Bible, rain is a sign of God's blessing. And it started to rain, Mr. President, when you came to the platform. And it's my prayer that God will bless you, your family, your administration, and may he bless America. And God will bless America. And I love that it it rained just for a very short period of time. It was very light. And it wasn't raining up until the point where Donald Trump got up to speak. That's a wonderful picture. 
Just awesome. Loved it. Now, the lefties, they could not be loving it. I mean, you see all these politicians there, all hobnobbing and looking as happy as they can try to look. Obviously, they couldn't be happy inside, but they put on a a face. They acted like they were happy, happy to be there. I'm sure they were happy to shake hands with certain people because they love hobnobbing. I mean, they do love to do that. So there might have been some sort of happiness because, I mean, they live for, for honor and respect. And especially when it comes from other people in high political positions coming around and saying how wonderful they are to each other. And that's what they really are doing. Oh, you're so wonderful. Oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, you're so, oh, it's such an honor to be able to shake your hand. I haven't seen you in years. And they eat it up for each other. And it's kind of like when Hollywood pats itself on the back for the like the horrible movies that nobody ever goes to see and it, it wins all the awards. And it's like uh, nobody even went to see that movie. Nobody cares about that movie. But they pat themselves on the back and say how wonderful they are. So that's kind of what they do to each other in politics. They pat each other on the back and say how great themselves are. Trump blows all that up. His inauguration speech is a slap to them right in their face, right in front of him. This is the best part of Trump. He does the things that we wish someone would do, but you just don't think they'd ever do it. But then he does do it. He even surprises me, and I expect him to do these things, and yet I still get surprised. And I love it. I'm on my toes with Donald Trump. So Trump starts out. Early on, talking about the transfer of power, but the power from the government, all these hobnobbers that are sitting around there, these snooty politicians that just crave political power and honor and almost worship, and he's saying it's to the people. I want you to hear this. This is Trump. The transfer of power to the people. Go ahead and play cut four. Today's ceremony, however, has very special meaning. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Now, a lot of times when you hear power to the people, that's actually more of like you hear liberals say stuff like that. Power to the people. That's what they, they usually do, but it's totally different in what the type of power we're talking about. What what has been forgotten in America is, is that we, the people, are the government. And, you know, you hear that all the time, but a lot of people, when you talk about the government, even I do this, and then I have to keep reminding myself, we are the government. We talk about it like it's a separate entity. And what Trump is talking about here, the transfer of power back to the people, the government has been acting like a separate entity. It has been doing unconstitutional things. It hasn't been listening to those who have elected these officials into office. So it hasn't been representing what the people represent. Not fully. It partially does. I mean, those politicians are a reflection of the people. But they are not the government separate from us, the people. This is a return to what America was supposed to be. We, the people, are the government. Not a separate entity. No more of this thinking, oh, the government, and then we're separate. Get back to we the people. That's what he's talking about there. Not power to the people like liberals talk about, where they want mob rule. Totally different. Totally different. Phrasing can sound the same, but it doesn't mean the same thing. It all depends who's saying it and what they mean by saying it. Cut number five. Trump blasts the establishment. 
for protecting itself and not the American people. Who's the establishment? All the people sitting right next to Donald Trump as he's saying this. That's what's great. The establishment he attacks as they're all sitting there staring at him and he blasts them. That's who he's blasting in this cut. Cut five. Go ahead and play that, Brian. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. Washington flourished, but the people did not share in its wealth. Politicians prospered, but the jobs left and the factories closed. The establishment protected itself, but not the citizens of our country. Their victories have not been your victories. Their triumphs have not been your triumphs. And while they celebrated in our nation's capital, there was little to celebrate for struggling families all across our land. That all changes starting right here and right now, because this moment is your moment. It belongs to you. It does belong to us. And look, that the blasting of the establishment only caring really more about itself. They're celebrating in Washington, thinking everything's great, while the rest of America is like, what the heck? It's because they've been trying to transfer all the power through government. They want government to continue to grow and the private sector to shrink. It's really a a private sector government comparison here. As the governmental side of America was celebrating and people in government are feeling good about America's direction because the government has become bigger and bigger and bigger and they're, they're making more and more money, the private sector was getting depleted and, and feeling discouraged because where does the government get its money from? Us. It's a redistrib- uh, another type of redistrib- redistribution of wealth. I couldn't get that out. Uh, it's, it's a way of, of obviously taking money from the private sector and then creating greater wealth in the government or public sector. And they're celebrating under Obama. They're all thinking this is great and it's going to continue. And they thought that the nation had completely gone to the left and that they were solid. That is fascinating because I thought the same thing in some aspect that, you know what, unless a Donald Trump, which I didn't know it was going to be Donald Trump, but someone like a Donald Trump was the only way we were going to get back. Because if it was anyone else, anyone else, and we would have been in serious trouble forever in America, I, we probably would have lost America. And and to all those never Trumpers that during the election kept saying, Hillary's the worst candidate and if it wasn't for Trump, we'd be killing Hillary. Remember when they were saying that? Remember when they were telling everyone, see, look at the polls. Look at how far behind. This is ridiculous. If we had a, if the people would have just picked a normal Republican candidate, we'd be crushing Hillary. And I kept telling you, these people are fools. Trump is the only one who has a chance to beat Hillary. In fact, it's such the opposite. If there was a normal Republican, Hillary would destroy them. And you would say, well, looking at the polls at the time, what I said then sounds crazy. But I can prove I was 100% right, not just because Trump won, 
I'm not saying that because you could make the argument that, well, then uh, another Republican could have won, too. It's how Trump won that proves that I was right. And this is the point. Listen carefully. And you'll know this is true. Let's take a John McCain or Mitt Romney, a typical Republican that the establishment wanted. Could they have beaten Hillary? Let's look how the election went. Trump won because he did something unorthodox that they didn't expect. He put states in play that would have never been in play and went and campaigned in them. Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Would any other Republican that was running against Trump during the primary been able to get Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania? No. They wouldn't have. And that's why Trump won. And therefore, Trump was the only one that was going to be able to defeat Hillary. If it was a normal Republican, there was no chance. I had been saying that the whole time. I even told you guys that what's cool is what Trump will do is make it hard for the Democrats to cheat because he'll put more states in play. I really said this. He'll put more states in play and they'll have to worry about too many states and they can't just concentrate in cheating in Ohio or cheating in Florida where there's just two states. And if we take those or just take one of them, we're going to win. He made it so they couldn't do that. And I kept telling you, that's the beauty of Trump. You don't know what he can and cannot pull off. You don't know what kind of tactics he's going to use. You don't know what he's going to say. They didn't know what to do, and he knew he was going to win. And I loved it every minute of it. And I'm so glad that yesterday he took the oath of office. And the salute to Donald Trump really almost gave me chills. And then to see Hillary walk past and not get saluted was such a breath of relief and fresh air at the same time. Oh, my gosh. So wonderful. So many more stuff to get to. So so many more cuts to get to. And I will open up the phone lines, I believe, later today. So let me give the phone number for you. 800-923-WDTK if you want to get in early. 800-923-WDTK will get you in on the Ben Armstrong Show celebrating... A Donald Trump presidency, it's finally here. It is the greatest weekend talk show in all of the land, the Ben Armstrong Show. You just mind your P's and Q's, buster, and remember who you're dealing with. Ladies and gentlemen, the Barack Obama theme song. Now back to our captain of patriotism, Ben Armstrong. Yes, yes, yes. This is Brian's version of the new Barack Obama theme song. We still have the old one, so don't worry. That's not gone away. 800-923-WDTK is the phone number. Just let the phone ring for a while if you're, if you're not able. Brian's extremely busy. He's doing so many multiple things. That's why I always have to give him special thanks because Brian does so much behind the scenes, more than people realize. Anyways, the phone number 800-923-WDTK. I feel like I will be able to get a, get a chance to uh, take some phone calls. So if you want to get in, go ahead and get in now. Uh, let me uh, continue on with cuts here. Trump, he says, we defended other nations' borders, but refused to defend our own 
And it is so true. Think of that statement. We defend other nations' borders, but refuse to defend our own. And then he also talks about how wealth in America and the middle class has been ripped and redistributed, or re, <laughs> I mean, spread throughout uh, not just America through, you know, the middle class going to the government, but also to the rest of the world. It's redistributed everywhere. And he, he, it's a total slap in Obama's face is what it is. As Obama's sitting just a few feet away from him, I want you to hear this and understand that. Cut number six. Go ahead and play cut number six, Brian. For many decades, we've enriched foreign industry at the expense of American industry, subsidized the armies of other countries while allowing for the very sad depletion of our military. We've defended other nations' borders while refusing to defend our own. And spent trillions and trillions of dollars overseas while America's infrastructure has fallen into disrepair and decay. We've made other countries rich while the wealth strength and confidence of our country has dissipated over the horizon. One by one, the factories shuttered and left our shores with not even a thought about the millions and millions of American workers that were left behind. The wealth of our middle class has been ripped from their homes and then redistributed all across the world. But that is the past. And now we are looking only to the future. Now understand, that's a shot to the one-worlders. That's what they've been trying to do. Redistribute our wealth to the rest of the world because they view America as unfairly getting this wealth or it's just not fair. We just, it's just luck. Usually it's not luck that they they think that we stole it somehow or something, Um, but it's jealousy. I mean, I I said last week, if you want to sum up what the Democrats run on, they run on creating jealousy. They divide people into groups. And as they divide people into groups, they create a jealousy factor. In order for you to be angry or jealous of another group and that you need to vote for a Democrat to correct that problem, no matter what it is, That's how you can sum up the Democrat Party. I mean, economically, if someone is upset economically, get them jealous and angry and blame it on another American group or class and vote for the Democrats because they'll punish them and take it from them and give it to you. Same thing with race. They want you to be jealous of of, really what they do is with race is they take all the minorities and try to get them to feel oppressed by white people and make them jealous of white people and if you want if you want to have fairness you you need the democrat party in order to to slap those white people down i mean that's really the message that they send out they are divisive and want to divide america and trump later on talks about how a uh, a united america one that is patriotic won't have racism in it because There's no room to accept racism when we're united. 
I'll, I'll explain that later when we get to that cut. I haven't even gotten to that cut, and I don't want to jump too far ahead. But the ripping on the redistribution of wealth right in front of Barack Obama, whose whole goal was to redistribute the wealth of America. I mean, that's really what his, one of his fundamental goals. What an awesome slap in the face. Without really coming across as someone who's slapping in the face. You have to know why these things are in there. They're not in there by happenstance. I mean, it's just not a circumstance that just accidentally happened that this is in the speech. This is in the speech on purpose. That's why it's cool to break this stuff down. Trump continues. Here's another cut. He issues a decree to the world. Now, this is shortly right after how I said he was slapping the one-worlders. He slaps them again. But he, he issues a decree to the world. I want you to hear it yourself. Cut seven. Brian, go ahead and play cut number seven. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. What does he mean by America first? Well, I mean... I think everyone here listening probably knows what that means. We're not going to be this one world or um, let's go into a trade partnership and allow because we're America. We can afford to take the hit and let them have so much of a better deal because we don't deserve to have a better deal. We need to help the rest of the world out because, uh, I mean, we're just taking advantage of them. That's that's the way they view it. But what Trump is saying is. It's our right to view our nation as first, not the other nations first, our nation first. He, I don't have the cut of this, but he later explains it's the right of the other nations to do that, too. And he does say that, you know, Japan should be thinking Japan first. Switzerland should be thinking Switzerland first. That's how they should think. But why is it wrong for America to say America first? You see that? When the left attacks them on that, what they're saying is, is every country has a right to think of themselves first except for America. It's so frustrating. Mexico can think of Mexico first. Nobody, nobody expects them not to do that. But if America says America first, how dare you? How can you be that way? Oh, Mexico can protect its borders, but America is going to protect its border? Build a fence, not allow illegals to just run into its country? How dare you? Every other country in the world stops people from doing that. But you, America, you're not allowed. Because we don't like you, we're jealous of you, and we want you to be fallen from your status. And it all, again, comes back to jealousy. The Democrats tap into that. Other nations, just like individuals in America, the Democrats try to get you jealous Other nations are jealous of America, and that's where their hatred comes from. Because you can't point to something that America's done to create that type of hatred. You can point to individual things here and there that were mistakes and stuff. But overall, America is the beacon of good and light in the world. Without it, we would be in utter chaos. Islam would be conquering the entire world, most likely. At least Europe would be conquered by Islam if it wasn't for America's presence right now. World War II, Hitler would have conquered the world if it wasn't for America 
Everyone would have been conquered by Hitler. So instead of having gratitude towards this country, the rest of the world is jealous. And the jealousy supersedes even what we did for them. It's, it can get frustrating. I understand. But now you have a president that isn't running around agreeing with the rest of the world about how horrible America is. You have someone saying, no, I love this country, and I'm going to put this country's needs ahead of the rest of the world. Because that's the job of the president. That's what he's supposed to do. He's not supposed to put the world's needs ahead of it, of America. The president is supposed to put our needs ahead of the world's needs. And as we prosper out of the loving kindness of our heart, we will give to them. That's what we've always done because we're a Christian nation. Of course, if the left was in control, they'd want a secular nation and we wouldn't give to anyone. We would just redistribute other people's wealth, but they would never give freely of their own. No, no, never in a million years. All right, number eight, this cut. Trump will eradicate radical Islam from the face of the earth. Obama could not have liked this at all. Go ahead and play cut eight. We will reinforce old alliances and form new ones and unite the civilized world against radical Islamic terrorism, which we will eradicate completely from the face of the earth. Now, that had to really get under Obama's skin. And it's there on purpose. In his first speech as president, he says radical Islamic terrorism, the very thing that Obama would never say. And listen to how he says it. He says it slowly and on purpose to stick it to him. Not, not meanly, but I'm going to say it. Stick him to, I'm not doing this political correct thing. I'm saying radical Islamic terrorism, and I'm going to make it clear that I'm saying it. I want to play it again. Listen to how he says it so you'll see he's doing it to show this is a new era. Go ahead and play cut number eight. We will reinforce old alliances and form new ones and unite the civilized world against radical Islamic terrorism, which we will eradicate completely from the face of the earth. Oh, yes. It's a new dawn in America. You have to be excited about it. And I'm going to get to more cuts after the break. I'm also going to go to the phone line. So if you want to get in. Joseph, Jerry, Hilda, you're all waiting, and um, you'll be up first because you got in early. 800-923-WDTK is the phone number that will get you in on the Ben Armstrong Show. 800-923-WDTK will get you in on the greatest weekend talk show in all of of the land. More cuts coming up. Stick around. I thought I told you never to interrupt me while I'm working.
a celebration mood, and we should be, because Donald Trump is president now. Barack Obama does not have power over the American people anymore. The only thing he can do is look for power through the media, which is what he's going to do. We know that. And he'll try to influence. You know, we all know that Obama is is going to be on TV shows, and I guess he's going to put up some website where he's going to complain on his website and put propaganda stuff up of whatever he wants to say in order to make the media react, and the media will love to react over it. But what's interesting is, is I don't think they realize that's good for us, and I don't think they understand. I know how Donald Trump is, and they still miscalculate Donald Trump. The more Obama does that kind of thing, the more Donald Trump's going to go, oh, really? And it's going to push him even more towards what we want him to do. That's the beauty of Donald Trump. So I actually look at it as they think it because this is their playbook. This is all they know how to do. The more the media and the more Obama will go on and try to attack, the more Trump will stand his ground and and actually fight harder for what he believes in. It's. I think they totally miscalculate, but we know that's happening. So I'm not worried about that because Donald Trump has shown and proven that the media will not intimidate him at all. And neither will other politicians because he can say these things as they're all sitting there. He does it in front of the media all the time. He calls them scoundrels and stuff and points to them while they're sitting there. I Love it. I don't know how you can't love it. If you don't love it, you're missing out. You should love it. This is uh, cut number nine we got to get to, Brian. Um, Trump on patriotism, and I kind of talked about this uh, a little earlier, but here's the cut I was talking about. Patriotism has no room for prejudice. And then he quotes the Bible. I'll explain deeper what he means by this after we play the cut. Go ahead and play cut number nine. At the bedrock of our politics will be a total allegiance to the United States of America. And through our loyalty to our country, we will rediscover our loyalty to each other. When you open your heart to patriotism, there is no room for prejudice. The Bible tells us how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. We must speak our minds openly, debate our disagreements honestly, but always pursue solidarity. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. Now, how does patriotism make no room for prejudice? You know, when we're, you, this is why the Democrats always try to divide. They divide, creating a type of jealousy, and then it creates, you know, a feeling of prejudice. But when you're united as one America, when there's one common goal, what he's saying, pre, there should be no room for prejudice. Think of it this, world, this way. If the Nazis had attacked our mainland, like Japan did, but let's say later in the war and stuff, do you think... If you're being invaded by another army, when you have one common goal as an American, you care that the other American is black or white or Hispanic that's fighting next to you? You think you care at all what, what their skin color is, what, what religion they are? See, when you're patriotic with one goal, one love for America, 
the Democrats have figured out that gets rid of of any of that stupidity. They try to divide. See, if you divide into groups and classes, you open up to prejudice. You make people feel as if they don't have it the same. They don't have the same rights. They don't have the same freedoms. And it's these other people right next to you who are Americans, and they're trying to push you down. And then they try to cause infighting within America and create a feeling of more and more racism. That's what the Democrats do. And it's a tactic. And what Trump is saying is, there's no room for this. He doesn't want any of that. It's America first, and everyone who's an American, who cares what your color is, who cares what race you are, who cares what your social status is, who cares what your economic status is, we're in this together. We're America, and it's America first from this point on. That's a united message to all of you, regardless of whether you voted for him or not. That's what he's saying there, and I love it, and I agree with it. 100%. 100%. Jerry in Detroit, he's been hanging on. Jerry, welcome to the Ben Armstrong Show. Hey, it's me again. The talk show stalker is back. <laughs> How you doing, Jerry? I'm doing fine. How about you, Ben? I'm doing great, Jerry. I, I, I actually got a chance to talk with you off the air last week. It was a good conversation. And here, and here I am again. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got a major, little bit of a bone of contention with, with you. I was gonna talk about um, Trump's attitude and ego, but since you brought up all, brought up these other issues about division in America, I very much have to beg to differ with you, Ben. Um, okay. You talk, you talk about Demo- Democrats um, dividing people into different groups. Well, when hasn't, when hasn't there been groups in America? I'm black. I'm part of a group. You're white. When haven't white people been? What? When haven't white people been a group in America? Well, see, when white people came to America, they were also divided. Uh, I'm English. I'm Irish. I'm. They were dividing up into groups. Then the, the reason why we called America the melting pot is because we didn't want that. See, white people can even divide amongst themselves, if you want to look at it that way. But we were called the melting pot for a reason. It means when you become an American, you're an American. There is no Irish American. There is no, and I know this is politically incorrect, but there is no African American if you're an American. Jerry, it's an insult to call yourself an African American unless you were born in Africa. But I would assume that because the left has pounded that, you have referred to yourself as an African American, not realizing you're insulting yourself. Well, well, I don't think I'm insulting myself. I disagree with you. Were on you that. born in Africa, See, Jerry? I, no, but my but I. So how come I'm considering you an American, but Democrats say no, no, Jerry's different. Jerry's not an American like you, Ben. Jerry's an African American. How come that doesn't insult you? Because I consider myself an African American by virtue. Because of the Democrats say so. You're just going with what the Democrats say. You're not thinking for yourself here, Jerry. Think about what I'm saying. Listen carefully. Jerry, I consider you an American equal to me. The Democrats have brainwashed you to call yourself an African American, dividing yourself from me, meaning you're not the same type of an American as I am. Therefore, you don't have the same desires for the same America. Do you see how they're dividing you? They're calling you an African American. They're insulting you. They're saying you're lesser than me. 
because you're black. That is the Democrat Party. I swear to you that's the truth. If you don't see that they're racist towards you, I don't know how to get it through your head. Well, I don't see it that way. And as far as the, the whole explain business, why concerned, the scene you were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, you talk about division in America. Um, um, when, when you talk about about division, you talk about Democrats causing division. When has when can you think of a time in America's history when the races were united, got along, and were side by side? And if they weren't, how is it the Democrats' fault? Yes, my entire lifetime, I can see that the races have been united. I've never seen it where it wasn't, Jerry. Um, Have you seen it where the races were divided in America in your lifetime? Especially, well, at least especially in debates over the... Understand what what you were stating, Jerry, races divided, not individuals. You know, 10 people running around smashing windows in is not races divided. That's people looting because they want to get free stuff. That isn't because they feel like they're oppressed because of race. We all know that. We all know that half those people are just looters trying to get free stuff. Even you would agree with that. Some of them are protesting. Half of them are not protesting. They're just looters. So understanding that that's such a small percentage that the majority of the time you drive down the street, if you were to come and sit down and have dinner with me, do you really think me and you, Jerry... Sitting down and having dinner, we'd feel divided because you're black and I'm white? Or would we just feel like Americans, uh, Detroiters, living in the local Detroit area, just having a dinner talking with each other? Because if I'm sitting talking to you, Jerry, that's how I view you. You're just my fellow American, my fellow De- Michigander, my fellow Detroiter, and we'd just be talking with each other. You feel like in your lifetime, you sitting down with a white person, you feel divided from them? No, I'm not necessarily in this case, but in but in but in cer- certain cases where there's a where there's a difference in opinion, especially with regard to civil rights and different issues like that, um, especially amongst the older generation of whites. And I say older is because I feel that the feel that the younger generation of whites are probably less likely to have negative feelings about people of color than white people say maybe. I don't know, maybe 55 or older, because I don't think that, think, they've been, think that the younger generation have been tainted by the same kind of negative attitudes about people of color as, as an old, older white person, maybe, sure. maybe somebody in their 60s. I, I can understand you having those feelings, Jerry, at least uh, that, you, that what you're stating there yeah. then is that you feel like America is getting less and less racist from your point of view, which... Hey, that's a start, at least. I don't think America's racist at all. In fact, I think America is the least racist country in the history of the world and always has been. This is the question you have to ponder, Jerry. It's not why did America have slavery. It's why did America end slavery? See, understand, slavery was everywhere in the world. That wasn't anything unique. It wasn't unique that America had slavery. The reason why America had slavery is because slavery was here before America existed. In In the land, which we now call America, before we were a nation in 1776, in the 1500s, there was slavery. And in the 1600s, there was slavery. And there was slavery on these shores before we were even a country. So to blame America as a racist country because there was slavery, that wasn't America's fault. America became a nation during time where there was slavery everywhere. The difference was America ended slavery. Why don't you look at it from that point of view and give credit and say, wow, I live in the least racist country in the history of the world? 
Well, well, I have to beg to differ you because I don't know for sure, beyond a doubt, whether or not that you should say America is the least bit racist nation in the world. I mean, how could you not? That that tells me, Jerry, you don't even watch the news uh, about other countries. Why don't you, Jerry, take a trip to the Middle East and see how you're treated as a black man? Why don't you go do that? Why don't you, as a black man, take a trip to even Europe and see if you're treated as well as you are here? That's what you need to do. You go do that, and you'll see that I'm telling you 100% the truth. America is the least racist country in the history of the world. Jerry, I love debating with you. I want to give you one last uh, shot to say something because i got to get to other calls and stuff. Go ahead, real quick. Yeah, because I wanted to answer, you know, this, which brings me to the point. People always blame President Obama for racial division in America as if there's never has been before. They, hmm. Too many white, white people, I think, are probably too naive. They seem to think that... um, We don't think that there wasn't racial division before. Understand, we blame the Democrat Party, not just Barack Obama. I blame the Democrat Party, and you know that's true, Jerry. I've I've been consistent with that. Obama is a reflection of the Democrat Party. He's the head of it. So, of course, you're going to hear him, but... Uh, we we said when Bill Clinton was president that he would try to divide the races. We we said that all the time. We we blame the Democrat Party. Jerry, I debate I more, but I gotta let you I, go. You know I would. I, I debate more. You on that too. I know you do. You disagree with almost everything I say, but that's fine. Uh, I still like you. You have a great day out there in Detroit. Okay, Jerry. Okay. See you next time. All righty. Take care. I gotta take a break. More stuff to get to. I want to hit a cut. Uh, Ken. Pam, hang on. If you want to make a comment, now's the time to get in. 800-923-WDTK. We're going to hit some cuts when we come back real quick and then hit the phone lines as quick as possible. Get in now. We'll do it as quick as we possibly can. 800-923-WDTK. Ben, you're testing me now. All right. (laughs) That's more like it. That's right. It is a party in the USA ever since Trump became president of the United States. 800-923-WDTK is the phone number. Got to hit some cuts before I quickly go to the phone lines as well. Um, I want to get this stuff in because this is really important. Here's something that you will love to hear from a president. And uh, I'm not even going to set it up, but I think this is the most important thing that he said the entire uh inauguration speech this is the most important thing go ahead and play cut number 10 brian there should be no fear we are protected and we will always be protected we will be protected by the great men and women of our military and law enforcement and most importantly we will be protected by god oh what a difference and uh, to to make sure that you understand the importance 
that he is saying our protection, most importantly, comes from God. He gives credit to our military, says we're going to protect ourselves, but we're protected by God. That is awesome. I love it. Let's move to the phone lines, and we're going to have to be quick. Ken in Livonia has been holding on the longest. Uh, Ken, welcome to the Ben Armstrong Show. Yeah, first I just wanted to comment that uh, your last caller and some of your other callers, they remind me of the fictional character of George Jefferson. These are black people who accuse white people of being racist, while they themselves are the racists. Just something to think about. Another quick comment. We've got to stop using the phrase radical Islamic terrorism, because as I've pointed out in the past, speaking to someone who's read the Quran, these people committing acts of violence, committing acts of terrorism, they are the devout, faithful followers of Islam. They are doing exactly what Muhammad did. They are doing exactly what the Quran tells them to do. They are not radicals. All right, Ken, you got your point of view. Um, I don't have time to make much comments about it, but I understand what you're saying there. Let's move on to Pam in Farmington. Pam, welcome to the Ben Armstrong Show. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I love you. You're awesome. Well, thanks. Um, yeah. So I, I want to uh, comment about Terry as well. And um, I think I, I couldn't count because I'm driving, but he said, I feel, I feel, or I don't feel multiple, multiple times. And feelings and facts are often separate in, the, in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. So I know we're, we're, we're humans, we're wrought with emotions and feelings, but when you want to get to, you know, what President Trump wants to get to is uh, unity and being united and, so, and the solidarity of America, you have to put your feelings aside and put, and put America first and put the facts first. Wonderful so statements. I, yeah. Uh, I, I'm you. sorry, I'd give you more time, yeah. Pam. I really would, but i got to get so many calls. No, no I agree God with you 100%. You. You're 100% right, Pam. Thanks for calling right, in. God bless. You have a okay, great day bye out bye. there in Farmington. Uh, Carol in Detroit, welcome to the Ben Armstrong Show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Well, for me, I'm a little bit in a disagreement. I kind of agree with Jerry, mm-hmm. and I feel that civil rights have still not been acquired. I feel... Like right here in Detroit, I've been here, same house I was born in, 60 years. I've seen the whole thing change. I saw white flight. I saw busing trying to integrate. I saw white flight again. I saw Mayor Coleman Young coming in trying to uh, integrate the city. I saw white flight again. These white People do not want to be associated in many ways with African American, and it's still existing today to this very day. And we are not. Oh, well, I understand, Carol. Carol, what happened though was Coleman Young said he didn't want white people in the city of Detroit. Now that's not true. Oh no, he that's that. that no, listen. That's not he true. said the suburbs he were hostile, want. and he created a huge division. And understand, your problems in Detroit come from Democrats. And it's not whether whether there's white people. It's not whether there's white people or black people in Detroit. It has nothing to do with race. You know why Detroit has had such problems? Is because it was controlled for the last sixty years by the Democrats, Carol. That's why. If you're going to blame someone, blame the people who control Detroit, and that's the Democrats. Mayor Gribbs wasn't. I got to let you go. Carol, it has nothing to do with you. I'd love to debate further with you, but you know I'm I'm running short on time. So thanks for the call. Call in another time. We'll debate a little further about that. Uh, Thanks for calling out there in Detroit. Kathy, welcome to the Ben Armstrong Show. 
Hi. Yes. Um, I, I don't agree with the last caller. I live in Detroit also all my life, and I believe that racism cannot be uh, countered on a one, one-on-one basis. Uh, people do things for all different kinds of reasons. Uh, what I love about Donald Trump and about the speech that he made yesterday is that he is he's, um, people just the chance to do the job and to do the best that he can for the entire country, because I do believe in my heart that he does want to make America great again. I love the inaugural speech. I know he's not perfect, nobody is, but I believe that he's going to give it the best that he's got, and he's got the tools to do it. He's a leader. He's able to, people just need to give him a chance. And that's all I wanted to say. Thank you so much. All right, Kathy. Glad that I was able to get your call in. So glad that you all are listening to the Ben Armstrong Show. If you've never heard the show before and you're thinking, what is this show? It's the greatest weekend talk show in all of the land. The Ben Armstrong Show. That's what it is. And I appreciate you listening every single week. Remember the most important thing. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. Do you understand the words that I just said? I didn't say them. Jesus said it about himself. But listen to what I'm saying. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man, and that includes women, of course, all of mankind, comes to the Father but through him. I love you guys. Matt, sorry I didn't get you your call and all the other calls. I love you. See ya!